and we have our resident um, experts who are going to talk about their experiences. We went to the school of homeschool hard knocks. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction and reconstruction with your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I have never had a sex ed class in my entire life. And I'm Meg, and I was taught that Christopher Columbus and other white dudes like him were heroes. And I'm Sarai, and I was taught that racism had been solved long before I was born, so it didn't exist anymore. Good for us. Yeah, we're so knowledgeable. We did it, guys. We did it. And today on the podcast, we're talking about Christian education, but specifically about homeschooling. And our two resident experts, Lindsay and Sarai, who spent the majority of their life being schooled from their homes, uh, are going to answer some of my burning questions and also (laughs) give us some insights into what it was like for them growing up in the 80s and 90s, being completely isolated and taught only things that their loving parents decided were appropriate. So let's get into it. I cannot wait. It's going to be same. I want to first put a caveat. I wasn't isolated. Totally. I was isolated from my school-aged peers pretty effectively, but I did have a lot of socialization through church, and then I we did a lot of stuff with like weird little homeschool, Christian homeschool groups in our town. So I did have a lot of interaction with people. I just didn't have uh, education outside of what I was given. Um, I would argue so. that that is isolation. You're just That's what I'm going to from- say. You're isolated from people who are different than you. You were only, you were in a bubble. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Not isolated I, in the sense of like not around. certainly right. true. Yeah. I, I think that there, I think it's important to distinguish just, mm-hmm. I'm just going to start by being argumentative and contentious because that's what Sarai <laughs> means in the Bible. And so I'm just going to live up to my name and say, no, I think isolation in the sense of taking a child away from any other influ- influences is one of the things that we'll get to later in this conversation about the risks of unregulated homeschooling. And so that I think it's different than like, yeah, I, I only knew other Christian people or whatever, but it, it's not that different from like, well, it is. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> I'm just going to abandon the thought. Basically, I just think that kind of isolation is different than the, you know, I don't let's have say this day to day peer friends. <laughs> there's multiple kinds of isolation. I think the isolation that we're referring to is that bubble that Lindsay mentioned was sheltered like, for that. Sure. Yes, yeah. for sure. Big we're time. put into such a like sheltered space that the external world, even even for me being a Christian school educated kid, the external world was unsafe in every single way. So anything that came information that came outside of a Christian worldview for, for me, and I think for you all, was considered evil, was considered mm-hmm. scary, bad, don't engage with it. Unless um, it was a movie my parents thought was funny, in which case <laughs> then we could engage with it. <laughs> I like Sarai's like, family dynamic when she talks about like all the freedom she had with television. I'm just like, there's a super yeah, jealous little version of me who's like, oh, not I was my worldview. Running got- in the fields of TV all day. <laughs> Just kidding. But for the Disney uh, afternoon not, and past that, for sure. Yeah. Not in this homeschooled household. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, not, yours, that yours, was yours, not the case. You were a oh. PK. All right. My parents <laughs> had some limits. 
Oh yeah, being God. a PK put a whole other set of pressure on you. Okay, but Lens, I want to know, what are some of the good things that you remember about your your youthful upbringing? What, I'm assuming because homeschool was a major part of it, it was like a cornerstone of, of your of your childhood. And we've heard about some of the, the difficult uh, things that you endured, like that. The acorn pancakes? The- oh, I was thinking about your... Um, what is it called? Your hour, your the hour of discipline. discipline? Oh, silence. silence. The discipline of silence. Yes. 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 So, so I know. I'm, mm-hmm. I want to yeah. hear about some of the more like pleasant experiences that you enjoyed from being a homeschool kid. Um, I think so. I was homeschooled my whole life until the ninth grade. And then I went to a Christian high school uh, uh, for high school. And then I went to Christian college. So my education has been super duper Christian. And I am very much what you know, people always call the self-starter. And mm-hmm. so I think homeschool worked for me in a sense because uh, like I don't remember my mom ever sitting in front of me and like teaching me a lesson. I remember like being handed books and just just do the self-work. And then later as like the technology came around doing like a Becca videotapes, there was like tapes at a certain point. I think I liked the freedom of it and kind of being able and it's like now I work for myself it's a little bit similar and maybe why I like working for myself is that like you can set your own pace and your own schedule and like there was a lot of field trips um but it was also lonely like we didn't really do a lot of homeschool co-op stuff I had my sisters and then I remember later like in junior high like we had one homeschool family that were friends I also had three daughters and so we hung out with them a lot but for the most part I just thought other homeschoolers were weird and I'm really social and so I just like most other homeschool kids I was like I don't get you and like so it would be more like church friends like church is where I found my uh, my friend group and where I was social and got to go do trips and obviously camp like that was such a huge like yeah. we've talked obviously at length about how much we love camp so yeah I think just the f- the freedom of it um that that worked well for me and I don't think it works for a lot of people but for me I was like well, I'll just put my head down and get myself because I think the sooner I could get my work done the sooner I could just like go play and we always lived in very like like Alaska and Wyoming like really nature-filled places and so like when we lived in Wyoming if I got my school done then I could go out and ride horses so like I sure shit was gonna get my school done you know so so yeah, you're there was- you're kind of self-starter do you think like being the oldest of your siblings you kind of like but that's just your personality you like charge forward you get your shit done I yeah, mean it, it probably you probably would have excelled in any environment do you think it, yes 100 yeah. percent. because I watched then my siblings uh like DL also did the same deals very studious but like my my youngest sister Candace like had a really hard time, had like undiagnosed learning difficulties, um, is neurodivergent, all of these things that like, and I will say like looking backwards, you know, both of my siblings are neurodivergent and I often wonder if that was like completely missed and not diagnosed because we weren't, they weren't seen totally, you know, in context with other kids. They weren't in a school environment. Nobody was there advocating for them, which we mm-hmm. will be, I, I'm already turning it to my agenda. Uh, this. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Sarai, we got to hear from you. What were the fun things? What are the things you remember positively about your homeschool experience? Because I know later on we're just going to hear about all this bullshit that y'all endured. So let's get to some of the fun stuff. I think it won't be surprising because I usually talk about it like this. But for me, homeschooling was great. I liked it a lot. Except I missed friends. Like... The other thing is I had extreme like anxiety about school, mostly because I was afraid of authority figures. 
for some reason. So weird. I don't know why. <laughs> why that would be true. But um, so I was relieved not to have to get up and like go to school all the time. When I was in third grade, I just had like a stomach ache every day. You know, I just always was struggling and no one talked about like would talk about it with me or anything. It was just sort of one of, you know, one of those typical Christian secret shame bearing your own weight shit uh, as a kid. So <laughs> I did like that. That was nice. I liked I liked the freedom and flexibility of it too. Like that was so awesome for me to be able to sort of work at a pace that worked for me. And I was also motivated to get it done and neurodivergent without knowing it and only was diagnosed at like maybe at 41 or something with ADHD, maybe even just like last year. Um, and that also was an interesting thing because I'm like, wow, I've really been able to get a lot of stuff done. But the reason I think that is, is because my anxiety allows me, entices me to hyper focus on what's really interesting. And so for me, what was interesting at the time was like writing fiction or writing whatever and uh, writing music and playing music. And so I did that like a lot in my spare time. I played outside all the time and stuff too, which I did like. But um, yeah, I, I just spent a lot of time at the piano and started writing songs when I was a kid, like 11 or something, and really imbued my, I guess, like integrated that into my entire way of being. And so, that's, so that was part of it for me is like I kind of was set loose. The other thing was my siblings were much younger than me. So the next oldest kid in my family is four years younger. So by the time I was in fifth grade like my youngest brother's in first grade and so I taught them to read like I took pride in that like it was fun for me mm. I liked hanging out I liked my family pretty well I got bored without friends I I did not like that but I had my friends at church as well uh, counterpoint to you Lindsay I really liked hanging out with homeschoolers because they were like they all knew I was way cooler than them <laughs> You know what I mean. Like the kind of thing when you're like, humble oh, I was too. Humble too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really humble. And so, you know, you go to college. Like I went to Christian college, right? And then people are like, oh, you were homeschooled? And I'm like, yeah. Same. Of course. Same. And I will say, uh, when when talking about homeschool uh, for the shiny happy people, like the Too Many Cults miniseries that I did with Crispin, um, I mentioned that like people always say that you can like, you know, spot a homeschooler from a million miles away. And I've always taken great pride in the fact that yes. nobody knows. And I got called out for that in our Facebook group on social media. People Whoa. were like, you can always tell. People were like, we know. What? And I I felt uh, personally offended and hurt. In that episode, I was like, fuck yeah. We've, we've our whole lives tried to like pass off as normies. So apparently yeah. we're not doing that great of a job. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. I was going to make the joke earlier that you're like the – Christian Billie Eilish because rumor is that they were they were homeschooled LA not Christian homeschool and like I think that their whole thing was like as long as they were like creating something whether it be writing or music or art they could like stay up as late as they wanted and like kind of do what they wanted and so her and Phineas just like composed music till 2 a.m every night that was like their homeschooling and I was like dang that worked out of, can I how do I sign up for that version of homeschooling can that's I do right? that now is it possible yeah. to be adopted by the Eilishes? 
That'd be great. That'd be. I mean, it sounds like you both had kind of that imaginative childhood that a lot of people crave or talk about missing from having to go to school every day from, you know, eight in the morning till three in the afternoon, that maybe you had more opportunities to kind of be with yourself. Uh, We made some cheeky statements in our openings about how we didn't learn things or we learned things in ways that were, um, I don't know, framed in a specific way to maybe, I don't know, elevate whiteness and patriarchy. We loved colonialism. It was like one of my mom's favorite subjects was let's talk about the Oregon Trail and pioneers and had, you know, pioneers in her own life. Like my great grandma, I think, somehow came somewhere on some wagon train or something. But you know, like, so we would read a lot of books about that, like from the white person's perspective. <laughs> you were saying you got to finish the work and then do what you wanted, even though doing what you wanted might have still been educating you and in, in the ways that your soul needed education. But mm. what were the things like what what do you reach for as a parent, a Christian parent when you're trying to educate your kids at home? Because I was in education, I was an educator for 10 years, and I don't feel equipped to take my child from kindergarten through high school on my own as their sole uh, teacher. So how did they find curriculum that was in line with their belief system? Um, And then how did you guys interact with it? I mean, my mom sort of just put it together. Like I've mentioned before, we used like, we used a Laura Ingalls Wilder curriculum at some point or like the little house on the prairie series was our and we were supposed to learn like science and math and everything from that and there was like a loose curriculum built around it and that's when i was younger i know when we got older we switched a lot like the big names in christian homeschooling were like bob jones university abeka um i know that iblp what, it, what i can't remember the name of their wisdom booklets oh wisdom ATI. booklets ati which we never did we weren't quite that hardcore and then later we did these things called life packs which was when I was a little bit older when I got beyond basically the level where my mom was like I don't know I can't teach you anymore like you're beyond <laughs> yeah. especially math like my mom is not and well, I was so gonna say these... was this your sex education but that that just never happened oh well like read this no. book about nothing it's the song of Solomon <laughs> this is my sex education and th- this is it my mom handed me like one day was like oh you're getting older and you know your body is changing here hands me a focus on the family book about like how your body is changed like marketed for kids that's what I got (laughs) yeah and then was like here you go and I was so like embarrassed I hid it under my bed and I never read it and that was it that was my sex education I started to read it but my mom and dad had my brother and I sharing a copy of the book that's awkward the end I'm not even gonna talk about they do that anything else that I felt the fact that I had to share it with my prepubescent, potentially puberty engaging older brother was not my favorite thing. Um, the only other thing I remember about it was that there were illustrated drawings of naked bodies, but they were like, you know, 10, 11 year old kids. Oh, right. Yeah. And I didn't want to see a boy's drawn penis even like in that scenario. So. <laughs> Yeah, that that's probably why I didn't touch one until I got married. But in some situations, a penis can be the most wonderful sight for a woman. That's not why I when you're for Michael Scott. Ten. Oh. <laughs> yeah, definitely not when you're ten. And also mostly never. I mean, no offense to those of you who love a, a dick pic, but I don't know. 
It, it's got to be specific. Okay, digression. Uh, I'll Sorry. tell you how I got sex yes. educated. I was driving with my mom on the way to worship team in our red minivan, and I was 15, I think. And she's like, well, uh, I guess we should probably talk about sex. Like, eyes on the road, hands at 10 and 2. And I'm like, uh, okay. And she goes, so what do you know? And I'm like, well, Mike already told me all about it, Micah, my cousin, who you heard on mm-hmm. one of our Pride episodes, if you listen to we that. Love, we love Micah. Micah mm-hmm. taught me everything I knew at the time, and maybe to this day, because I also haven't ever had an actual sex education class. <laughs> but she do we taught need me that? Do we all need about an it. adult sex ed class? Like, Dude, y'all. are you kidding me? Post-purity culture people definitely need that. There's so much that I didn't know, don't know, probably. I mean, we did not continue the conversation after that, by the way. She's like, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Classic. It sounds like that was our experience. Our parents were just like, here you go. Do with this what you will. Just don't have sex. Bye. Don't, don't have sex. Ever. Have sex. The end. Yeah, I said the yes. word to you. Now we've had the talk. You can That's tell like everyone I, I said those words. Except when you're married and then it's super hot and amazing. The best <laughs> thing ever. And you'll never have any problems. And do it and a lot every day. If you're having hetero sex with your spouse only. Mm. My parents did not vocalize that to me, really, because I think they would have been too embarrassed. But Mm. I got a lot of that that more like into conversation. I think I got more of that from youth group. More like youth group. Yeah. Like my dad. My dad talked about sex from the pulpit for sure. Like I knew about my parents' sex life. It was. That's. Oh. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I wouldn't like it because all my friends would make fun of it. Yeah. Like one time yeah. I woke up in the middle of the night. My dad used to work a swing shift and he'd get home late. And my my bedroom was next to my parents. And I heard my mom be like, don't touch me in sexy places. <laughs> and he's like, Ugh. and I was like, oh, this is terrible. I told my friend from church and she brought it up constantly to me and made me feel so embarrassed. But this is the same friend who would go up during altar calls and like eavesdrop <gasps> on people. people. I She's love this friend. She's the one that told me like, oh, your mom regrets that your dad had a vasectomy. And I'm like, literally, why are you telling me this song? Yes, wow. I love this like prayer warrior gossip queen. It is everything I dreamed of and didn't think was possible when I was a kid. Cause I was like, how do people just keep all this gossip from the prayer chain like to themselves? Because I didn't don't. realize the prayer chain was a gossip yeah. chain. Because so, you were yeah. on the gossip yeah. chain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, Paige and Kelsey McKinney, please come on and talk about this with us. Thank prayer you. Prayer chain, go- normal gossip yeah. is what we need. Yes. Yeah. The prayer chain is the ultimate form of gossip, and we need the gossip queen to come chat with us about it. So yes. maybe you have it in. Chelsea. Please let me know. Um, do, is now the time to, to – so we're talking about the curriculum that was loosely mm-hmm. used. Oh, I know that Sarai and I – also, this is not curriculum, but it was a big part of our education. Missionary biographies. Whoa. OK, yes. tell me all about it. First, I want to know who both of you rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Who was your like missionary hero when you were a kid? Amy Semple McPherson. I mean, That's she what I was wasn't. Say too. She That's wasn't a missionary, say. really. She was an evangelist, but I fucking love same diff. Come on, her. Yeah. Yeah. When you're gonna and start I, an entire like four square church that is like we do evangelism, yeah. And yeah. she's so interesting. So like, obviously, I learned whatever it was in these little Christian biographies of people. Like, I remember learning a lot about Franny Crosby mm-hmm. or Fanny Crosby, Fanny. <laughs> Fanny. Yeah. And yeah. the and the 
and the Elliots so much. Jim and Elizabeth oh, Elliot. I got a, a lot, lot about them. I'm pretty sure I'm named after Elizabeth Elliot because she spells her name like I do. Was and this the way. woman whose husband died and then she went back to the same place where he died and like saved a village or some shit? Yes. Yep. The, he, she they saved killed her husband from their yep. own culture. And now <laughs> they got to learn the good news of how to be more like a middle class white person in America. Were these like a series of books like produced by one publisher kind of thing? Or was this just a part of the curriculum that your both of your families were like, this is our our kids have to know about missionaries and like God people through their own words? I remember there being a series. It it was all like older, like way back in the day missionaries um, that I feel like we read when we were younger. And then later we got into more like contemporary because I remember... Like, I feel like the Elliots, that came later. Like, that was more their own book. It wasn't part of the series. And then there was a woman, Jackie Pullinger, that I was really into. Um, This is very niche. But, like, I saw her, like, speak live once. But she had, like, gone and lived in, like... Was it at a women's conference? It was at a vineyard conference. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Not just (laughs) for women. So the vineyard was a little... The charismatics, like the Amy Simple McPherson, they were always more okay with the women preaching. That's true. Um, So Jackie, she moved to like Hong Kong and like worked with like drug addicts or something. And I just thought she was the coolest. Uh, But so again, she like wrote her own book and it was not part of the that was when I was older and I was like getting to choose what missionaries I was going to read about yeah (laughs) free choice (gasps) can I tell you guys a random not missionary book but like a person whose books I was fully obsessed with when I was in high school yeah you and Ann Kimmel did you guys ever read any of Ann Kimmel's Mm -mm. stuff it's like totally 70s so it was before our time but I'm pretty sure I found her books in like our church library and then I read all of them and she was so charming to me so if Mm. uh, any other Ann Kimmel fans out there you just let me know because we could talk all about it she's so great where did you guys get your history from do you recall like this the type of curriculum you use because I just want to point out I got this book from a little uh, free library the other day and I just thought it was cute until I realized that it is patriotic stories every child should know this is Mm. from 1917 originally copyright Um, but there are similar collections that include Christmas stories and Thanksgiving stories um so the editors were hoping that this book of stirring tales would really help kids understand American history. I'm not going to give too many spoilers in case you haven't read it yet. And it's on your reading list uh, for this next year. But it's um, it's gross. It's gross. I don't mm. I thought it was gross. So uh, what kinds of things were you guys getting your information from about America or um, I'm just going to go with America because we did talk a lot about patriotism and being a proud American back in the 80s and 90s and I think that was something that I did not associate as a Christian school kid as being like a Christian thing I just was like we're all Americans we're all obviously super patriotic yeah dude it was all America I don't honestly remember my my homeschooling was like a lot of literature. And so I think a lot of what I was learning was stuff through books. And like there would sometimes be some like ancillary study around it, like the Laura Ingalls Wilder curriculum that you that you used. My my mom, we didn't buy curriculum most times. I think we bought like 
two different years of Calvert curriculum, which wasn't necessarily really Christian, but it wasn't like, you know, not. It was still just 80s and 90s. Here's what history is. Like that's the, the history we learned tragically isn't just exclusive to evangelical Christianity, but that's also largely because until like recent years, more than half of the people in this nation considered themselves Christian. So, I, you know, I think there's a lot to that. But um, yeah, mostly our, our curriculum would be cobbled together with like, here's books that you should read because they're books that you should read and we all know. And um, that was the main thing. I also like in sixth grade, it was so no trying hard at all. I just had this like big workbook that you can find and like a educational supplies store called like my big super workbook sixth grade. (laughs) And I like filled out a number of pages every day. Like it was just worksheets. And then I was like, bada bing, bada boom. I'm going to go play the piano again. Bye. (laughs) So that's my education. My, mine always tried to make everything educational and it was very, very America focused. And like, I remember we had another like homeschool family that were friends and they were really intense and they were like, but they had like, you know, American flags all over their house. And I remember because they were a homeschool family. And if we happened to be over at their house on like a school day or whatever, which was not often, but like, I remember their dad would make us, we all had to like pledge allegiance to the flag, like in their house, we had to pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. Mm-hmm. And it was like, they were so into nationalism. And I rem- I mean, I believe I remember them using that word. We actually, at some point in our life, like sold our belongings, spun RV, like traveled around the United States for several months. And this is the life packs I remember specifically, because like they traveled pretty well. And like, so, you know, they're these smaller booklets. And when you finish one, you move on to the next one. And each one is different color coded, like math were all red ones. And then history were like blue ones or what have you. Um, but I remember my dad drug us to so many like battles, like everything was educated. Everywhere we went was like educational. Um, we, I remember going to like Custer's last stand and, but again, like the way that the stories were all told to me, like Custer's like the good guy and he got slaughtered oh, yeah. and that was a bummer, you know, like, mm-hmm. and we we're supposed to be mournful about, you know, there, at, at Custer's last stand, there is, um, there's grave markers all over where like every American soldier like died. Hmm. Not, none for when natives died, mind you. Weird, because <laughs> like, it, just, like, they just white people. How funny. Right, hmm. right. And it's like this sad thing that he lost this battle against Native Americans. Oh, I remember. Um, Same. Yeah, so everything, you know, I remember being taught Manifest Destiny. My grandfather yeah. has told me straight up, like, because I remember getting older and asking questions like, well, if there's people here before us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that didn't speak English... Like, you know, because he'll rant about, like, everybody needs to speak English. I'm like, but there were other people here. Like, why do they have to learn our language? Why do they have to adapt to our ways? And he was just like, because we won. Because we won. That's it. Because That's his God answer. gave us this blessed nation. Like, gave it. It just happened. Right to he us. He just handed it over and we were like, nice, thank you. White people yeah. win again. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, I bought this amazing book from Bob Jones University. Mm-hmm. I got it on we eBay. The internet algorithm now thinks I'm real fundy. So this is The New World at Home in Early America, Heritage Studies 1 from Bob Jones University. And this is copyrighted 2008. Okay. So it is. Oh, God. It is more recent. So like in some aspects, they're they're tr- they're trying um, that they, they still use a word that I won't say to refer to Native Americans. Uh 
you know, like as if they came from the country of India. Oh, so okay. they use it through throughout. And just showing you this lovely map. And Hook even right. gets into Columbus called the people he met in the New World, blank, the I word. Why did he give them this name? And then just goes on to. Oh, is it? Do I get to answer? It's because he was an idiot. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. They they don't answer the question or ever come back to that. Then they get. I thought maybe I got to like fill out my own answers. You know, like (sighs) at the quiz at the end. Yeah. If only. No. They just some food for thought. I Mm -hmm. think. Um, Yeah. And they get into like the separatists and you know the pilgrims and why they came and yeah and look at this how amazing just look at how. They're just devout, devout, wonderful. Right. Well, and it asks the question like, you know, wouldn't, would you want someone to tell you how to worship? Which is so hilarious because that's like exactly what missionaries do. Like you didn't want that done to you. And then thing. Right. It's not hilarious. It's like incredibly tragic and horrible. Literally evangelicals. (laughs) It's in the name. It's in the name. Y'all, how are, ugh. Yeah. Is this just and then, because there's never conversation that's welcome about these things? Because it's like, don't yeah. tell me to call somebody a native. I'm going to call him what Columbus called him when he landed in the wrong place. Rewriting yeah, history gonna, seems to be uh, such a fun trip. The glossing over that this book does is just everything is just like neat and tidy. Mm. And of course, we, we get fucking squanto we get the first thanksgiving the like and everything's about god and so it ends with the separatists gave a great feast to show their thankfulness they invited all the blank i word who helped them today we call this feast thanksgiving and then they quote <laughs> ephesians five twenty, giving thanks mm-hmm. always for all things unto god and the father in the name of our lord jesus christ wow um what a neat little bow they just tied so on right they easy. just Oh, and then they then they tell you you can make um, pudding with the I word. Um, so you can, and it's it's telling you to t- tell your teacher. Oh, by the way, this book. So I posted it on our stories, and many people said that they had this in homeschool and also in their Christian schools. Mm-hmm. So Ugh. you Christian schoolers are not free from this bullshit education. True. Um, and I will. I'm only going to give you one more little. We're going to get go right to the end of this book. Um, I did have some guilt purchasing this. It was $10 on eBay. So I'm not giving Bob Jones University any of my money. But um, we end on, you know, biblical stuff. We end on food that the natives gave us, though they did not use that word. Um, gave us. Do you like that? They gave mm-hmm. us these seeds mm-hmm. and taught us how to plant them. We didn't take them. Uh, but you guys, but totem poles. We, ha- we can't just give them credit and be really? nice and gloss over and talk about how we're friends. We have to talk about... They did not worship the true God. Sometimes they worshiped animals. They carved animals into tall poles. That's it. Three sentences. Then we're moving on to white people family trees. So. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> some fun history right there. And by fun, I mean <laughs> fucking Oof. terrible. Thank you it for is... learning nothing at all about anything to do with native tribes, all of which are unique. And like, just we're, this is what we got fed because we weren't supposed to have any questions. Like everything is supposed to be all neat and tied up and it has to be perfect and it has to make you feel like you're the one who's right because you're a part of those people. Like we're yeah. the white people who won everything. Like that is so fucked up. But also what we're what we were taught to do was always find the answer. Like the short answer to right. every question is Jesus. Mm. is the way the well, truth and the life like the and end I, I think what else do you need to know 
Right. And now that I'm older, I think so much of it has to do with this this weird guilt about being in the wrong and because we've given this narrative about how God gave us this land and he meant it for us and for good and he's blessed us and we are this blessed godly nation and so to then go back and realize we like came here we stole this land we murdered trigger lots of trigger warnings for this section sorry let me let me back up we're yeah. we are talking about genocide in this once again in this, episode. this show is a uh, one giant content warning so it really is you listen, and like your brave soul congratulations take care yeah and the word genocide was never used in my education. It was yeah, not a thing no. that I was taught. I was taught, of course, there were wars and, you know, maybe the, the Holocaust. Word... I learned some of that. Right. Speaking sure. of yep. cool but we women, didn't, Corey Ten Boom. We didn't do genocide. Like, we're not genociding. Right. Because um, that was the Americans Germans. are perfect. We are. The Lord has blessed us. And so, like, mm-hmm. looking critically at these things in our problematic things in our history, specifically our treatment of Native Americans and then later our treatment of black people and Africans like is it is a stain in our legacy and people don't want to swallow that pill. Like America is not a perfect nation. America is deeply fucked. And that doesn't mean I don't love it here. I do sometimes like this isn't I don't think it even matters how I feel about this country. But like also side rant like people have missed the entire point. Of, I wrote an exegetical paper on the uh, story of Jonah. And let me, tell you, yeah, let me tell you, that motherfucker was a nationalist. His whole problem, that he, like the reason God punished him is because he did not want to be in relationship with other cultures. He was a fucking racist. And no. God like destroyed him for that. So I'm just, anyway, sorry. That was, <laughs> I like, don't like it. Yeah, it's true. I love though. that thesis. Like, I mean, to talk about these curriculums that y'all and, and even I at a Christian school endured, it's like, where's the regulation? Where's the oversight or the the people who are going to ensure that we're getting a varied education? That we're hearing maybe different sides of a of an argument to help us figure out our own critical thinking skills. But even more so, where's the regulation to help ensure that each kid is healthy and happy and just in a thriving environment? I mean, the short answer is it varies from state to state because there is no federal regulation on homeschooling. Every state gets to make their own rules, and most of them are pretty hands off. There are some states where homeschooling is like not regulated at all. I know growing up in Oregon, we had to take our we had to take those like assessment tests at the end of every school year instead of just at certain points, which is typical for for public education. So we always had to go and like have a proctor give us our cat exam. And um, so that was how like they kept tabs, at least on our academic progress. And did you I go in somewhere? somewhere? I don't know. Like who? you you went in person somewhere and you yeah. engaged with It was to this a... lady's house. And oh. she, yeah. But she had the same like printout puzzle things from every single year. And I had already completed all of them. So I did get mad because I was a fast test taker. And I was just like waiting there for like six hours in a day. And of course you knew I wasn't used to sitting in a room for six hours a day. That's a lot of time. I still hate doing that. <laughs> That's the that's the ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm sure that there was some standardized testing 
And my mom was always so like sure of my academics. And then even when I ended up going into Christian high school, like I don't remember if they made me test in. I don't think that they did. I mean, I ended up getting like straight A's. Again, that was just like the person that I was. So yeah, I don't remember there being like it all felt very free form. Like we kind of just did what my mom set before us and she didn't seem too terribly worried about it. And then I know my youngest sister struggled for sure. And then later, because she got to go to school like earlier than I did. Like, I think they pulled her out of homeschool and put her in like middle school or something. She got to go earlier than high school. So because I think once high school was, my mom was like, okay, you want to play sports, you want to be social. And also I just like cannot teach you and I want you to be able to go to college. So maybe that is maybe that's a little bit different than like, so, you know, we Part of the reason why we want to talk about this as a follow-up to our interview with Chad from IBLP and the Shiny Happy People documentary is we did talk a bit in Too Many Cults about like how homeschooling creates an environment where abuse thrives. And, you know, I want to give the caveat that we are not saying that homeschooling as a whole is evil. Um, there is no perfect schooling method and every child is different. And, and what they need. What, what we are specifically talking about is like the way that like evangelical Christians use and weaponize homeschooling to shelter their children, brainwash them and just teach them what they want. And in more extreme circumstances, especially in fundamental circles where people like in IBLP, like you, there are no checks and balances. There is no one checking in on those kids. There are no mandatory reporters. And this is what, you know, we want to get into today is as to like, this is what we're criticizing. Like, I'm not judging you if you choose to homeschool your child. Not at all. You do sure. what's best for you and your child. And there Absolutely. are good homeschoolers out there. And there are some kids that thrive in that environment. But I think what we want to talk about, and Soraya will probably get into a bit, is like, there there is a yeah complete lack of oversight regulation there isn't a way to ensure that kids are safe kids are fed you know for all public schools problems at, at least we know that there are people there there are counselors there are advocates yeah it's worth it's worth looking at like for us the biggest problem with our homeschool education was just the bullshit we were taught mm-hmm. i wasn't abused I wasn't even particularly isolated. I got to play sports, you know, and and what have you. And I learned and I have gone on to be a successful adult. But man, I will say when friends of mine, when I hear that people are choosing to homeschool their children, like even if I know that these people are like well-intentioned, they're awesome, they're not like fundy, it like gives me the ick. There's something hmm. about it. That, sorry, that's what the youths say. It gives me the ick. <laughs> uh, yeah, good job. You're on the interwebs um, a lot. I'm so cool and young, and <laughs> I know like what the kids are saying. Um, I wasn't homeschooled, okay? I <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so I could tell worldly. you were homeschooled. I could see it from a mile away. <laughs> you could tell it by, I don't know. By, you know why? It by takes weirdness. one to know one. I'm just kidding. Mm, I couldn't tell. What are you yeah. talking about? That's ridiculous. <laughs> But yeah, there's something that always gives me a little bit of pause to be like, are you, are you sure you want to do that? Like, mm-hmm. bleh, like, and again, oh, that's probably just my own shit that I'm putting on other people. But, you know, it's I if my child needed that, I would do it. I hope to God that she does not think, goodness, she <laughs> fucking loves her little public school, like with her whole heart. And that makes me really happy. <laughs> so my kids just really want to see their friends every day. So we, yeah. you know quote unquote homeschool during the pandemic for like a year and a half and it was uh, hard. I talked about like hearkening back to curriculum. I know I talked about it before, but like finding 
any prepackaged curriculum, it's pretty impossible to find that without it being like the one I got, which was like a derivative of Christian homeschooling without like the Bible class stuff. And mm -hmm. it was still so shitty and so like backward and old. My ki my kids were actually taught by their nanny that year, which was like amazing. Thank goodness, Essence, you're the most wonderful person alive. Um, but yeah, she had to do a lot of, oh, this is interesting how this book says this. What else do you think there is to talk about? And so the kids actually learned a lot because of the dialogue that they had uh, with with Essence at the time. And so she was able to help them see like, oh, isn't it interesting that this book says that the pilgrims helped the Native Americans with whatever that season, which is so cute because they were here this whole time and they were the ones that taught the pilgrims had to do everything and whatever. So like my my kids got some of that dialectical stuff. Looking at how homeschooling has increased over many, many years, I think there are really interesting implications for what that means for public schools because of how public schools are typically funded, which in the US and I don't know if this is different anywhere, but I'm pretty sure it's mostly through property taxes, local taxation. And so you're supporting your district and in a lot of cases, just the neighborhood school that your child goes to. When kids are not enrolling in school, the funding that they get through federal and state resources goes down because their enrollment goes down. So they get on a per child basis the funding that they need to operate the school. When homeschooling started taking off, it was really like the early 80s, the 70s. Of course, it was in tandem with our other exciting rise of a conservative Christian evangelical people that have done a really good job of just becoming Republicans. And that's mainly it. You heard me. And I fucking mean it. <laughs> Janet. OK. Anyway. Uh, but that growth started because people didn't want their children learning secular values in public school because they wanted to bring up their children. I, we mentioned this in Christian education about how Christian schooling was called segregation academies because they were allowing segregation. Well, take that another step even further where a parent might say, oh, I'm so fundamentalist. I don't want my kid learning shit from anyone else. I'm going to teach them everything they need to know because I know all the answers. I'm correct. Like this is what fundamentalism is and what it is to be evangelical is to know you have the the one main answer and so therefore you need your kids to know that so this became a big battle i it still goes on i mean this is where like busing comes in this is where school vouchers originate like the idea that i should be able to apply my tax dollars wherever i want to and that's not toward public education because public education is like, yes, partly it's to provide a basic education for our the populace of our nation. So people are relatively smart and can be good at adding to the GDP, the gross domestic product. Like the, it's still capitalism, <laughs> obviously. Always. But Always. it's, you know, it's also because it is also supposedly a place where there's ideas, different ideas, different challenges. Like as society evolves, as civilization civilization diversifies as we grow and change in different ways, we have to catch up with that. So like public education should be delivering the skills that kids need in order to engage with those things. 
what I always say about homeschool is I accidentally learned how to think for myself, which is true. But um, 100%. it's yep. right. And that's and that's what I got. Like the truth is that I was able to be self-directed. And yeah, I had a lot of weird ideas and I went to Christian college to stay stay safe from too much information about things I didn't believe in because I didn't know about them. And so there's a lot of like opportunity there where I know I was able to be supported in that. So what what has happened around homeschooling is that in the U.S. it has exploded since the pandemic, even, we have seen a 30% increase in homeschooling between 2020 and 2023. Like, so this is even currently what um, what the statistics are. The other big part about it is like that is a place where we are sharing democratic values and talking about the values that we have as a nation, like outside of Christian nationalism. Um, including racism and sexism and all of the isms and the inequities that our system of white supremacy has perpetuated. And while schools aren't necessarily the only place that can happen, it is an opportunity for our young people to learn. But let's backtrack a little bit, let's say minus like Florida and other places where you're not allowed to say gay and you're also not allowed to talk about critical race theory. Like it's just... So cute. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so pissed. <laughs> so cute. I'm actually just like really pissed. Okay. I found this great article from a Harvard professor named Elizabeth Bartholet. And I hope I'm not saying that last name wrong. But if I did, please forgive me. Probably doctor <laughs> something. So she's she's faculty. Okay. But one of the things that she talks about is how many people are ideologues who choose to homeschool their children, like, of course. And so what that does is it takes those beliefs and infuses them into their children and teaches their children not to question those beliefs, like white people are better than black people, for instance, or that women belong in the home and are are submissive to men always, no matter what. Like, a lot of the same shit we learned that was gross and terrible then, but now it's, like, way later and it's still a thing. But that then creates these societal clashes. So we're looking at this like increasingly polarized nation here. Partly it's ex- expedited by social media and you know we're just ha- making hastily our way toward demise. But um we also are seeing more and more people who are just like so convinced of their perspective that they're not able or willing to have any honest good faith conversations about it. And so that's one of the major dangers. It's actually a societal ill when people are not given or taught or cultivated along the way in how to think about things, how to consider things, how to use logic, rationale, et cetera, because they're not, it's just not the the pond they're swimming in because they're swimming in a pond of, like we all were, you, you don't know what you're breathing in until you leave and have a different atmosphere. Like... I didn't know that I didn't know so much stuff because we never do. We don't know what we don't know, right? Like, hat tip Donald Rumsfeld. I'm sorry. Because we were kept in a tiny bubble. And that yeah. that is, that's the problem. If If your homeschooling is just to show you one view of the world and surround you with only people who look like you, talk like you, think like you, like it is, ugh, it's just, it's, it's gross. 
I don't it like is. it. And and it honestly, it doesn't even work. Like that's the thing, right? Like look at us. Like we are here where we are. And I remember I had like an Uber driver to the airport a while back. And for some, you know, he was a very chatty Uber driver, which is my least favorite thing. Um, <laughs> I like he, it. I like it when someone's so, like, "Well, I'm just trying to get my kids back," and I'm like, "Wow, tell me everything about this." Okay, go on. Right. I'm like, it's like. 5 a.m. I'm just trying to get to PDX, man. Uh, and he's telling me all about how his wife's homeschooling his kids and it just was like, and how, you know, raising them in the right way. And I just wanted to be like, uh, spoiler, bro, uh, let me tell you, you can be homeschooled your whole life and still turn out to be a flaming liberal. So uh, <laughs> you accidentally learn like, how to think for yourself. And, someone and it took the a right while, questions. like, it took me a bit. I mean, I still, in Christian college, you know, I told my friggin', I've told some Biola stories. I remember, um, I mean, I wrote that paper on Jonah about him being a, you know, a nationalist. So that, sure, I learned that. But I also remember, like, I did argument, like, I, I remember doing in a debate class, I, like, did a debate where I was pro-death penalty. Like, what the fuck, stranding in? Oh, like, what was wrong yeah, with me? Damn. And I remember even in doing it, like, the, the you know, the verses I'm having to pull only Old Testament, of mm-hmm. course. Only. Hell yeah. Like, and I remember even at that point being like, nah, nah. you know, like I was going <laughs> to argue it to like win the argument, but I was like starting to question it. So, um, yeah, it took me a while to unravel those things that I was taught and I had no one in my life telling me otherwise. No, literally no one. So yeah. um, I had to get out from under the fold. And I don't want to backpedal a lot, but again, just remember what we are talking about. We are not talking about all of homeschooling, although what we are saying is that all of homeschooling does need some um, some oversight and it, mm-hmm. it needs some maybe streamlining. Like it's just it's a pretty Standards. dangerous thing to be able to pluck kids out of school and plop them in their homes and teach them whatever the fuck you want to teach them without any oversight or recourse. Right. There's without mandatory report. It's just. Yeah. It, it can be a real recipe for disaster. And I know that there are great homeschool co-ops and some states seem state by state. Some states are doing it better than others. Um, yeah, if we I don't know of any great homeschooling resources. Maybe this is this is where we are not experts. We are experts at knowing like what we don't like about homeschool. <laughs> I don't know that I we have what I like. But I mean, the truth is like it overall, you're right. I think we do need some standards like we have common core educational standards for each grade level at the state level. So like in Oregon, those are available. It's easy now. Like we have the internet. We didn't really have that when we were first homeschooling anyway. Like that came along a little later because we are zennials, and that means we didn't have computers as babies, but we did as like tweens. So whatever. Yeah. Um, but the but that that in itself I think is is valuable and different than what it was like before for sure. And then I think the other piece is like it's a, it's an interesting tension, right? Because it's like what are parent what are parental rights, and what rights do children have, mm-hmm. and who gets to decide that? And it's mm-hmm. like constitutionally, kind of parents just get all of the rights because they're adults, whatever, and it does make it a dangerous situation because kids don't have any reach to the outside world except for what their parents allow them or where they you know where their parents expose them to things and so having that solely in the hands of the parents focusing on the family 
if you will, <laughs> doesn't make for a strong society per se. It makes for a fragmented one with lots of polarization because people are only living every day, being raised in, taught these total things from like, this is the whole way that you experience the world. It's plop, here's your worldview. And let's never ask any questions about it. And so that's very isolating anyway. But it is also true, like keeping kids away from mandatory reporters and keeping them outside of the mainstream of anything. Uh, it, you know, parents are allowed to do that. They are. What I think is important is that every child should have the right to an education. Like if they don't have an education, what the hell are they supposed to do? They're, especially when we live under capitalism, like, sorry, you have to have like a high school diploma, basically, or something like it. <laughs> right. Even if it's not like teaching you how to work, it's teaching you how to be in the world. And it's yeah. teaching you how this world was made and teaching you the real truths about our history. Like these things are important to like your formation as a human being, not even just like as a, you know, worker in a capitalist society. Um, and I will say, like, thankfully, there are uh, I was earlier, I was like, oh, are the resources? Yes. So there is the um, Coalition for Responsible Home Education, which I believe was co-founded by an IBLP survivor. Maybe it's all ex-IBLP folks. Cool. Um, it's rad we will put it in the show notes um their mission it says that the coalition for responsible home education empowers homeschooled children by educating the public and advocating for child-centered evidence-based policy and practices for families and professionals and they have really rad um information on the site my my favorite thing that i was looking at earlier is they have a map of the u.s and um it shows there's like a grid that shows um state by state like how different states regulate homeschooling and it's really interesting like guess what the states who don't regulate homeschool at all so there's literally no required contact with state or local officials so if you decide to pull your kid out of school and homeschool them you don't have to tell anyone you can just fucking do it you don't um, even and fill out one piece of paper nope not even one piece of paper and that is in texas idaho oklahoma missouri iowa you know Alaska makes sense. The you free states is Do what you you're see saying. see a theme here? Yes. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, there's some places, so then notice only, so you only need to give notice of intent to homeschool um, to the school district. California, Nevada, Arizona, Montana, like pretty interesting to me that that's California. Um, Oregon is um, a moderate assessment. So there are assessments with low thresholds for intervention. So Oregon's doing a pretty good job, I will say. So that's nice. But these, it's nice to know that there are people out there who have survived a pretty isolating and awful homeschool experience who are out there and who are advocating for a better way. And um, so I, if homeschooling is a thing that you're interested in, if you were thinking about doing it for your children, like I highly recommend go to that site, see their web, uh, see their resources. They're much more eloquent than I am about it. And it makes me grateful that people who have come out of pretty abusive fundamentalist homeschooling situations are um, able to help people get out of it or at least do a better job of it. Yeah. I love that too. That I use them for a lot of this research too. They're just, it's really helpful stuff. So yeah, a great place to go if you're a parent for sure. And also if you're a post-homeschooler, you know, like it's, they have, there's Homeschoolers Anonymous, like there's lots of different places that as a 
recovering homeschooler adult, <laughs> you can go to just know that other people had experiences like yours or that, you know, remind you of yours. Because one of the things about being isolated your whole life means you were literally all alone and you're not now. And you don't have to be. And so this is also a part of that is like, how do you reclaim what your education was and or how do you decide how you want to be now? And how do you get through the trauma if you experienced that while you were being isolated from the world? Like, I just would love to make a pact with all of the ghosties. That is this. If you homeschool your kids, teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside them. Let the children's laughter remind you how you used to be. And teach them actual math. Like, definitely get them actually like a math tutor yeah. or you probably you should. Because the children are our future. That's right. Thank you, Sarai, for that testimony. I felt that in my soul. Like, the the Holy Spirit was moving through you in that moment. So, because you. You, you came up with that uh, you prophecy on your own, right? That was all I was from... Just, Feeling the Holy Spirit, I'm really glad. I actually said it in tongues, but it sounds like you were able to interpret it. <laughs> I was. Thank yes, you so. for that. Like, I know we're at least biblical. <laughs> I can't with that. Oh, man. <laughs> Little did I know I have the gift of interpretation. You Boom. Do. Spiritual Surprise. gifts, bitch. <laughs> That's right. Charismatic whatevers. <laughs> something, something. May? Something, something. something. to say? We're in, a, we're in a state we're in a state of mind that is like so challenging for me to weed through because when I think about friends of mine that have pulled their kids out of public school, it's not for the same reasons that evangelicals are pulling their kids out. And it's really hard for me to kind of weigh in on this this topic. It's it's so much harm has been caused to so many people that I have met throughout my life because they were homeschooled. And that's not something that I can easily forget. But I know that school is not a safe place for a lot of children uh, for a lot of different reasons. And like we said at the very beginning, this is something that is a personal decision that your family can make for your child. And if you are making a thoughtful decision and it's not based on fear, fear of your child learning certain things or learning that people exist in the world that you don't agree with, um, it's time to pause and to really consider what isolating your child for 10, 15 years of their life is really going to accomplish. And if you're going to maybe cause a little bit more harm than good from a lack of really um, robust education. And education in America is not one of our high priorities. Culturally, it's been one of the things that we have let slip. We have taken money away from schools for lots of different reasons. And um, even during the pandemic, we heard things from teachers that I had never heard before. Um, but I love TikTok. I love the internet. I love that teachers are coming back and that vo their voices are getting stronger. And um, we have some really amazing people in public schools that are serving our children and serving our communities in really beautiful ways. So to support your local educators are to support your local neighbors and keeping education free and open and without religious constraint or construct is really, really important. Let your religion or spiritual beliefs uh, be something that's personal and they don't have to be pushed out on anybody else. Hey, and if your kids learn stuff 
in school that you are like, what? It's a great opportunity for conversation. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's what that can be. It doesn't have to be you have the wrong answer. The right answer to believe is this. It's that's not how things work. Right. Like we think they do because we came out of Christianity and that's how they worked there. But that's not how they work in real life. And so this it could always just be more opportunity to learn and discover. And we all keep learning and discovering all the time. Like if you think about it, adults are all homeschooled forever. Like we could be. And now that we have the internet, there's like so much more opportunity to learn. I felt like the things that I didn't learn in my Christian school education did not stop me from being a voracious reader and somebody Mm -hmm. who's going to like seek out information. But that's not every kid. And every kid doesn't learn the same way. And every kid won't learn in the same environments. So I'm a huge advocate for public school education. Um, I only have one kid, um, but I'm really glad that he's been able to experience an education outside of my knowledge base. And that's really what it came down to for me is that there are so many opportunities for each of us to learn every day. And I always tell my kid, you can always learn something from someone else and they can always learn something from you. And I hope that we all can take that out into our every day in every way and remember that we are always constantly able to and should be learners and that's all my mom advice for today. <laughs> I love it. I mean, that's what we are. We're just we're just some moms giving some advice. And yeah, I will say there's no way to. We don't want to wrap bows on things. We know it's uh, it's a complicated topic and people are going to have feelings on it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I already admit I got big feelings on it. You know, I, I get the X sometimes and I don't want to be judgmental. Like I know that there's there are are people who are doing an excellent job at homeschooling their kids. And there are kids who are thriving in that environment. But just remember that, like, there are a lot of kids who are, like, being brainwashed or they are not being listened to. They're not being taught the truth about the world. And they're just not experiencing a diversity of perspectives and people. Like, that's the thing that's, like, when I watch my daughter walk into her school, it is fucking beautiful. Like, it is such a diverse mix of people from all different walks and of life and religions and creeds, all of these things. And it's, I'm just rambling. I'm feeling like I love public school. So, which I do. The ability to stay home and school your child is something that like many people cannot afford to do. And it is a yeah. very rich white Christian thing to do. Like, of course, you have a parent who can just be devoted to your education and doesn't have to work. Right. Because her job is to stay at home. Oh, yeah. Are there any dads at homeschool? I don't know. My dad taught me a lot of stuff, but apparently he didn't teach my siblings anything. So I don't know. My sister is always like, your experience with dad is really different. I'm like, I don't know. I did learn how to write. So that was cool. <laughs> so my dad did PE days with us. So days my mom would want nice. off. He would just like take us like when we lived in Wyoming, he would take us skiing once a week. Nice. So that was a day. Cute. So that was fun. That was a fun part of home with my dad. Yeah, that, but that's all. And then he would drag us to like, you know, Civil War battle sites. That's. Oh, yeah. That's, That's about what hobby. my dad taught me. But yeah, one one thing to note and when you think about like homeschooling is a privilege and it is a privilege that yeah. many people cannot afford and public school exists to like help people in need. And so when we are having this discussion, it is like be mindful of that and just know that if you're able to do that, amazing. That's a, that's a gift. That's incredible. But so many people cannot. So like if you're going to be all judgy about how it's like a better way and better for kids, know that a lot of kids and parents do not have that option. This is a challenging topic because it's about our kids and we fucking love our kids and we love, I mean, all kids really. 
to have a child and be able to care for one in this life is a gift and it's a huge responsibility. Not something that any parent really takes lightly. Uh, and educating our kids is one of our highest priorities. So this is not a topic that is easy or has a simple answer or one way to, like Lindsay said, we can't wrap it up in a bow. Uh, but we can keep talking about it and we can be open and we can have conversation. Um, I love having these conversations with you ladies and I'm excited for this new season and everything that we have planned. And I want to hear from all of our ghosties. What do you want to hear from us? What questions do you have and how can we help support you in your journey through reconstructing a new community? You can find us on the web at holyghosting.com. If you like what we're doing and you want to support the show, you can either sign up as a subscriber on Apple Podcasts or you can go to patreon.com slash holyghosting and join us over there. Our first episode of High Times with the Most High is coming out at the end of September. So come Get on. ready. It's a patron-only experience and we're super excited for you to join us. And in case you didn't know, High Times with the Most High is in where we get high and we talk about God, but mostly about CCM like and yeah. Amy Grant. And I don't even remember what else. And we laugh a lot. And my dogs interrupt us a lot. And it's um, I'm very excited. So I think it is worth your five dollars a month to go <laughs> and experience what it is like when the three of us are in a room after having a couple joints talking about the Lord. It's gonna be a good time follow us on social media wherever you might exist on the interwebs we are on tiktok we have a facebook group we're on instagram and on youtube so wherever you want more holy ghosting in your life you can find it and also if you'd be kind enough to rate and review us we would love it give us five stars tell your friends tell your mom if your mom's cool um Maybe yeah, we not. appreciate the support we are trying to grow a community of like-minded people who are deconstructing and reconstructing and we are thankful for all you ghosties so we'll see you next time bye bye holy ghosting is a same team media production music by weep bar ap weber produced the show we'd like to give a special thanks to meredith holly and Eris conflict resolution for consulting with us about our stories if you have a story of abuse and you're worried about telling it publicly, they're available to help you tell your story in a way that keeps you safe. Find them at erisresolution.com. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss us in between shows, you can find us on socials posting almost every day at Holy Ghosting Pod, Instagram and TikTok.